will be uh, somewhat lessened, if not totally obliterated. Today on Medical Matters, the horror of vitamin FF deficiency. I'm not feeling right. Vitamin FF is a little-known but essential substance for human body chemistry. My stool is hard. Lack of vitamin FF can manifest itself in a variety of symptoms. You know, my headaches and I'm breaking out in cold sweats and my ears are sad and... Vitamin FF is only found at specifically enlightened radio stations that are committed to the propagation of the freeform style of broadcasting. Check your local listings for a government-approved source. I haven't been sleeping very well lately either. WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Use only as prescribed. Well, uh, good evening and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. Uh, Jim, I'm not too sure if he's on the way or I, I failed to check my messages. I'm a bonehead. Kind of a nice day out there today. And I think we can officially declare that spring has arrived. It got here before Christmas. Yeehaw! Looks like a wonderful week to enjoy the flowers of Ann Arbor. Uh, May is definitely proof that April showers bring May flowers. And of course, April showers bring other things like floods. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. We even mentioned, uh, as usual, that the... uh, uh, you know, the, 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 the ice caps are, are, are melting, uh, Greenland, and uh, it's interesting, in the April 25th edition of the University Record, which is sort of a recap of some of the University of Michigan's uh, sort of news and goings-on here and there, they note that uh, a 550,000-square-mile Canadian Arctic archipelago contains th- uh, 30,000 islands between 20... 20- four and 2009 the region lost the equivalent of three quarters of the water in lake erie the study found and this due to warmer than normal uh, temperatures uh, in the far regions of the northern hemisphere and of course we've had an unusual amount of rain this uh, spring and winter uh, in the northern part of the united states of america which has resulted in uh, flooding now in the Mississippi that we were talking about a couple weeks ago, and the floods are here. To kind of confirm the data on this, I just uh, was noticing in the uh, annarbor.com, this is from Ann Arbor, that uh, as of uh, May 1st, uh, through uh, April 30th, I should say, uh, we had received 16 inches of precipitation um, thus far this year, and a normal year to date at that point is only 10.4 inches. So you can see that a 5.5 uh, inch uh, increase in precipitation here in uh, Ann Arbor, just a one sample, shows a, a rather large increase in precipitation. And this is why these floods on the Mississippi are apparently uh, the worst floods um, since, uh, I've heard 1937, I've also heard 1927, um, this of course is, uh, going to affect a, uh, big area around, uh, the Memphis area, so, uh, stay tuned for, uh, more disasters down in that region, 
And uh, another very interesting thing that I found regarding this increase in water, uh, of course, America's got a um, surplus of hot air these days, uh, Lake Champlain, which is another very significant uh, uh, water um, body of water that uh, borders both the United States and Canada, and I mentioned, I've mentioned Canada here a couple of times because I want to get to the elections there. Uh, note that uh, Lake uh, Champlain surpassed flood stage. This is uh, from the AP on the 5th of uh, May by three feet on Friday, leaving hundreds of homes destroyed or damaged state authorities. This is from Vermont. Uh, Governor Peter Schumlin said that he would not rule out mandatory evacuations, but they're not ne necessary yet. And he has uh, declared a state of emergency and called in the National Guard. So another relatively significant body of water flooding. Well, Jim has joined us. Arrived late here. We uh, just gave you weather. I guess now we'll briefly cover sports. <laughs> and then we'll move on to uh, all of the uh, very interesting events of the last uh, 10 days, couple of weeks. Indeed. Well, uh, certainly uh, two uh, pretty big wins from the Red Wings. Yeah. And uh, I think that the, the game last night was uh didn't look good but it just shows the quality of the red wings uh grit uh well the depth of the play. organization yeah. too the the team play uh no panic players have to perform in the playoffs and uh no panic right uh, i heard a lot of people today saying oh and it went to 3-1 i pretty much thought it was done yeah. walked away from the game a lot of people said but uh the third period is really one in which they've been pretty strong all year they've had sluggish starts uh, pretty much all through the regular season and into the first game of the this round of the playoffs, I would say. Yeah, interesting that they had a tremendous first period in Game 4 at home that got the crowd into yeah. the game and probably led to the victory. But this time it was... They essentially had the whole third period left, even when, when they went down 3-1. And uh, San Jose is a great team. This is not going to be easy to win the next two games. But right. If anybody can do it, uh, the Red Wings can, and I think that it's a testament to the, uh, you know, the tremendous organization, depth, and uh, quality of the people that uh, play for the Detroit Red Wings. Some well, guys are banged up. Yeah, and, I and some other people have stepped up. Franzen didn't play at all the third period, and you know, being at the game five or the uh, game four in Detroit, uh, I wondered really why he was playing then because yeah. it was clear that he could just barely skate. Uh, in a lot of pain from a bad ankle. And, of course, when other players uh, know that, they tend to single you out for special abuse. Well, let's give Joe Thornton a brain damage award. He deliberately chopped him in the ankle. Then and then dove. Took a dive. <laughs> yeah. That I was a really shocking play, I thought, I thought a I was star player. Watching, a big guy. I thought I was watching Minnesota uh, Duluth, and I was wondering, where is the blonde dyed hair, dude? And I'm referring there to the NCAA championship game in which that team took an unbelievable number of dives. Yeah, that uh, was uh, think really startling from a star player. New uh, undergraduate uh, major up there at that university called ice diving. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, we see Madonna in the next game because I think for this last game, uh, the game last night, uh, Yuri Hoodler was scratched uh, so that Drew Miller could play. Babcock said he wanted some fast skaters for penalty kill, and uh, Miller 
turned out to be very useful for that indeed. Hoodler hasn't had a bad playoffs, but he hasn't scored. So um, Yeah, he's sort of useless sense. if he doesn't score because he's really not a great defensive player. And he's he not is a big small. guy. Yeah, he's a small guy. So I think probably next game uh, we'll not see Franzen skate. I think we'll probably see Madonna. Go for it. Madonna is uh, considered the greatest offensive American-born player. Uh, he's from the Detroit area. Yeah, he's had a strange year because of a serious injury. Uh, Put him in there. A cut tendon. Uh, he lost a lot of games, but uh, probably his last season. Uh, I think he'd love to contribute, and I think there's a good chance we'll see Madonna skate. Yeah, and of course, you know, the third goal that the Red Wings scored was a little greasy, but you know what? Those are good. Those are, <laughs> That's what we need. We needed a greasy goal to 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 kind of the hockey god sort of gave us a break and we've we've had some bad breaks in the series. It's been a tremendous series. It's been closer than that initial 3-0 lead uh would have suggested. Yeah, I think that the uh, the the game 4 was just tremendous and I wanted to commend the officiating in that game cuz they let them play. That's the way these games should be officiated. I thought a couple of the penalties in yesterday's game in the first period were uh, very marginal. Uh, let the players determine the outcome. And, of course, there's uh, what proves to be a very exciting game tonight in Nashville as Vancouver, yet again, you know, misses two chances to close out a team. Yeah, who knows with that series. But uh, we'll uh, root for the Red Wings, and win or lose, they are champions in my book. Well, uh, enough of sports. On to some actually good news. Uh, I heard today that the uh, that Ray LaHood was in the Detroit area and has announced that the state of Michigan is receiving $200 million to enhance the uh, high-speed rail connection between Detroit and Chicago. This That's is good news. news. This is going to create jobs, enhance the uh, travel time between uh, Detroit and uh Chicago, which of course uh, allows people to travel cross country to Toronto and points east, uh, hopefully. And it's interesting that Ann Arbor continues to be the leading uh, stop on the route. Um, it says that uh, 69,000 people boarded Amtrak trains in Ann Arbor last year, 44,000 in Kalamazoo, 40,000 in Dearborn, and 33,000 in Detroit. So that gives you an idea of who's using the train. That's the Chicago to Detroit route mm-hmm. on Amtrak. And this is basically going to be a enhanced high-speed rail line. So we'd like to commend the uh, Obama administration for this vision and also thank the governor of Florida, Mr. Scott, the uh, Medi- Medicare uh, fraud dude who somehow got elected. Um he turned down uh, Amtrak high-speed rail money for his state. Ray LaHood said, well, we got people that want it. Scott Walker, another, uh, we'll give him a brain damage award in uh, Wisconsin, turned it down. So uh, the beneficiaries were Detroit and some other areas of the country. It's hard and, to imagine why anyone would turn this down. Yeah. I mean, and really. Snyder's, you know, I think gotten off to a mixed start, but uh, he wisely said yes. So, uh Congratulations to Mr. Snyder for not being ideological, because this is one of these idiotic uh, Republican talking points that uh, has got to go. Uh, Yeah. Um, I don't know if you had any uh, notes about the plunge in oil prices. Well, it's fascinating that they plunged on... All commodities took a big plunge. Thursday made a little bit of a, a comeback today, unfortunately. 
but this uh, is apparently part of a speculation uh, brouhaha that's uh, roiling the markets, as they say. Yeah, uh, it's interesting that the president has even announced uh, some investigations into speculation in the oil markets, and it was fascinating that just last week a uh, sort of Wall Street expert claimed that the oil markets are being manipulated by uh, speculators. Um, yes, there are certainly some global issues related to the Middle East and uh, increasing demand um, in third world countries for oil, but uh, America's inventory is actually at a 17-year high. And uh, it's curious that gas prices are almost as high right now as they were in uh, 19, well, in, in 2008, the summer of 2008, mm-hmm. when the price of oil was up to about $148 a barrel. So very strange goings on. And uh, all commodities were affected by this big plunge on uh, Thursday. I think the exception of gold did not plunge as much. Didn't plunge as much, but it went down. And uh, part of the explanation for high oil prices that the sort of conventional analysts will give you, economic analysts will give you, is Mideast tension, uh, uh, rising demand in third world countries. Uh, there was an announcement this past week that the planet is going to add the seven billionth person uh, later this year, probably born somewhere in India. India, um, over the last decade, to give you an idea of the astonishing population growth there, has added... 180 million people, which is the size of Pakistan. That's uh, how much their population is growing. Wow. It's startling stuff, but uh, is part of the explanation. And then the final explanation has been the weak American dollar. Oil, of course, is priced in dollars uh, for the time being. This may change. Um, Manufacturers in America like a lower dollar because it makes our products more competitive, but there's a downside to the lower American dollar. Well, one other explanation that's being given uh, for this uh, downturn in commodity markets in general, but oil in particular, is, uh, quoting here from Gregory Meyer's article in the Financial Times, investors bet that recent sharp gains in raw material prices would sap demand. In other words, people will consume less oil, um, which is probably a good thing. And so... uh, is this the market actually sort of checking itself, or indeed is uh, speculation and uh, chicanery at play? And when uh, the oil market is concerned, I think most of us probably instinctively suspect uh, chicanery and fraud and exploitation, because that's what happens every time a minor uh, kerfluffle somewhere in the world, and suddenly the prices at the pump immediately respond. Yeah, but they know the costs for those things that are being pumped at that moment out of the tank were processed months before the upswing in prices of uh, oil per barrel. Yeah, that's always baffled me. And the thing is, is that even with the Mideast tension, you know, it's important to realize that thus far the four, you know, the four countries that have been affected the most, three of them are not really relevant to the oil market whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Libya, of course, is, but Tunisia, Egypt, and Syria. uh, I think there's a serious question as to whether Assad is going to uh, last longer than Gaddafi. 
uh, despite the intervention of NATO. It's a fascinating double standard in terms of the uh, so-called uh, intervention protecting civilian lives uh, is concerned. Well, I think the fear <clears throat> there is that they came on too strong uh, with Gaddafi about going to the international court to try him for war crimes, and so that gives him no incentive to leave. I think what they might be doing with uh, Assad's case is so far the U.S. has withheld sanctions. Europe is thinking about sanctions. But I think the hope is that if they give him an out, he'll take it. Yeah. And uh, he is married to a uh, British beauty, a uh, former banking finance expert. Oh, no. Um, and, of course, uh, Assad's uh, Undoubtedly training, uh, at, with expertise at secret um, uh, Swiss bank accounts. No doubt about it. Uh, <laughs> Because all those uh, big dollars that uh, Assad made uh, in his eye doctor years uh, must be secreted away somehow. Uh, of course, he inherited uh, untold wealth from his father's pretty uh, serious clamp on uh, the, the Ba'ath Party has had a clamp on uh, Syrian politics for decades, so... Yeah, and there's an interesting dynamic there with the Alawite minority ruling uh, a Sunni majority mm -hmm. country there's complicated uh, relationships in Syria uh, with various religious minorities so uh, it's interesting too by the way that there was a, uh, a massive attack um, on some Christian um, churches in Egypt over yeah the weekend. this is uh, bad news for everybody uh, even if the Muslim Brotherhood uh, is the main party and even if the Muslim Brotherhood is as fundamentalist as a lot of its critics claim it is, I'm not sure that that can be entirely proved. Um, the Muslim Brotherhood has to be uh, smart enough to realize that uh, the single biggest industry that Egypt has is tourism. And if Christian churches are being burned, uh, they'll see the bottom drop right out of that revenue stream. Yeah, and this is why I've been a little agnostic about the developments in Egypt so far. I think it was clear that uh, Mubarak, uh, quote, had to go, but he's been replaced by essentially the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Mm -hmm. There isn't really reform yet in Egypt. It's still in the incipient stages. What will happen over the, the short term and even the long term is completely unknown. And I continue to be baffled by the sort of strange celebration that the American media keeps going into about social media, Facebook, contributing to all these revolutions around the the Mideast, the so-called Arab Spring. And uh, the Arab Spring, of course, has played, uh, played an interesting uh, role in uh, the lonely Osama bin Laden watching videos of himself. <laughs> Very uh, strange week indeed regarding the sort of... Uh, I, the word that I liked, uh, that I read somewhere, was the ravenous media trying to come out with stories about bin Laden. And I kept thinking of uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I'm not quite dead. <laughs> I'm not dead yet. He's getting better. <laughs> He's getting better. <laughs> I think he might pull through. <laughs> that, of course, becomes a running joke throughout the, uh, the movie. Um, but... Uh, he's dead. Uh, yeah. I think that's been confirmed not only by uh, his wives, um, the DNA, but uh, even Al-Qaeda itself. Um, 
Uh, and some of the, you know, it, there's an old stain, you know, no, I, I, I always remembered this from MASH. Hawkeye once said, no good deed goes unpunished. Right. <laughs> and it, it was a striking week to me. You know, obviously Obama got a little tiny bump in the polls. But the strange aftermath, the, the first couple of days in which the Bush administration, former Bush administrations, trotted themselves on television to take credit for this development. Including well, their claims that enhanced interrogation or uh, torture somehow played a role in... There is no chance in hell that any information gotten from anyone at Guantanamo... And how long have those people been at Guantanamo? No. There's no chance in hell that any of that info led to this attack. Yeah, this was old-fashioned detective work, shoe-leather work... Electronic surveillance. Intelligence work. It was police work at the end of the day. Right. And... Uh, Harsh interrogation techniques had nothing to do with it. Indeed, um, a CIA, retired CIA uh, um, officer named Glenn Carl, who oversaw the interrogation of a high-level detainee in 2002, read, uh, and that's before, by the way, that Khalid Sheikh Mohammed was caught, said in a phone interview Tuesday that coercive techniques, quote, didn't provide useful, meaningful, trustworthy information, he said. Uh, while some of his colleagues defended the measures. Quote, everybody was deeply concerned and most felt it was un-American and it did not work. The bottom line is this. If we had had some kind of smoking gun intelligence from waterboarding in 2003, we would have taken out Indeed. Osama bin Laden in 2003. That's right. So much for Dick Cheney. Uh, I knew things were going to turn into a disaster when I saw Condoleezza Rice. Being, giving out interviews uh, in which she's trying to give Bush credit. Her of all people, because she's the one who famously had the Clinton administration's report in her hands, Al-Qaeda yeah. suspected of planning serious attacks on U.S., using airplanes, acts of terror. Oh, we'll put this over here um, because there's something else to think about. Yes, the presidential daily briefing uh, from August of 2001, a month before 9-11. So let's give the Bush administration some credit tonight on Gray Matters. <laughs> we'll give them credit for um, some, kind of ignoring some of the intelligence regarding 9-11. We'll give them credit for invading Iraq on the pretext of 9-11. We'll give them credit for blindly retaliating against Afghanistan, taking out the Taliban, and this crazy linkage between al-Qaeda and the Taliban. They're very different. There are plenty of extremist Muslim groups that are not connected to Osama bin Laden. This idea that he was sitting in a, 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 a an urban cave, so to speak. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of speculation, by the way, that, you know, <coughs> All these people in Pakistan knew about him. Look, the, the reward money would have encouraged anybody who knew about bin Laden being there to turn him in. Um, he's not quite found yet. <laughs> or dead. But he is dead. And um, the other thing that, that completely mystifies me is the, is the then critique of, well, he wasn't armed. <laughs> well, first of all, we... Uh, who knows? But even well, if he first wasn't, the story was that he was using uh, one of his wives as a shield, yeah. and that, of course, was later discounted. We sort of jokingly put that concept aside last week on the yeah. show. <clears throat> but uh, we speculated that it was uh, no time for the old in and out love. 
<laughs> just came to read the meter. <laughs> but uh, the the idea that um, RoboCop was was you know dropped in by helicopter and he came into Bin L- <laughs> Bin Laden's bedroom and said, "Want dead or alive? You're coming with me." <laughs> and that an opportunity was given to Bin Laden to surrender. I heard some idiot today on a to- on a call-in show claim that we allowed the Nazis trials. We didn't shoot them as unarmed people, and I was like. Well, yeah, they surrendered under the Geneva Convention. <laughs> There's a big difference. There's a big difference. This was not dropping into um, Adolf Hitler's bunker up in the Austrian Alps, um, which, you know, didn't ever really happen. But if it had, I doubt any soldier would have said, oh, I think I'm going to make an arrest Yeah, <laughs> behind enemy lines and see if I can... Put him in handcuffs and bring him out. I mean, this is sort of a Hollywood kind of fictionalized version of reality. This was a daring, bold attack in which we violated Pakistan's authority. And, of course, as a pro forma matter, the Pakistani government had to protest their violation of sovereignty. Well, yeah, of what's course, new? That, yeah, exactly. What's new? Uh, we've been uh, violating sovereignties worldwide yes. for decades now. <laughs> so, uh, friends, enemies, it doesn't matter much where the American security state is concerned. And in this particular case, I think it's probably legitimized. Um, this has been a, uh, a manhunt of epic and historic proportions. And uh, Pakistan's complaints about our careless use of drones, I think, is a is a very different matter. I think there's a legitimacy to that complaint. I think there have been a number of uh, unreal. I mean, it's a drone. It's not. This was human beings who went in and did a mission. That's a lot more trustworthy than these sort of robot drones, which at the end of the day, who knows how accurate they are. It depends on the manufacturers and what kind of a promotional kit they put in their sales package. Um Remember the Patriot missiles and how oh so accurate they were. Mm-hmm. Um, always lots of questions about those things. But uh, any you know smart uh, critic of Americans uh, America's foreign policy over the last uh, decade has to be aware of the fact that uh, Pakistan is not really uh, a proper state anymore. It's a shambles of a state. It's essentially run by a rogue military, uh, an intelligence uh, service, which. Uh, for all appearances, has been in cahoots with uh, the Taliban and or bin Laden. Yeah, and it's a weak it's a weak central government too. I think people overstate the belief that they have here in America that this Pakistani government is sort of in a you know omniscient uh, omnipotent position to determine events in Pakistan. They've got problems in Baluchistan. Waziristan. Waziristan has never been, quote, governed by the government. Parts of the country are uh, basically in de facto civil war. Yeah, and it's it's well known that it it was partitioned um, after the British Empire gave up India. Um, So for the bishop... The Archbishop of Canterbury to criticize the killing of Osama bin Laden because he wasn't armed, I think, is uh, is a little, well, he's a little too late. <laughs> well, you know, it may not have been the Christian thing to do, no. but uh, there was uh, probably not much of a likelihood that Osama bin Laden would have received a trial. 
I mean, what kind of trial would it even have been if they'd captured him? Saddam Hussein, of course, on the other hand, a very different kind of bad guy, I think. Uh, one, you know, uh, with whom the United States is in many ways complicit for a lot of his uh, crimes. Um, there, I think the trials were cut short. I think there was a rush to execute Saddam Hussein for theatrical purposes um, when really the... Uh, only the surface had been scraped of his crimes. Yeah. Um, and, of course, I've always thought that the Saddam Hussein was probably caught by somebody else and then put in a burlap bag yeah, and exactly. stuck in a hole. Staged. The entire thing felt staged. Because, Looked staged. Yeah. Something about it was odd. But uh, the other thing that continues to kind of annoy me is this idiotic idea that we need to put out the pictures. Um, that makes no sense at this point. Um, it's been confirmed that... He's not quite dead yet, but he is dead. <laughs> Generalissimo Francisco Franco is still dead. Yeah. And so is Osama bin Laden. And I heard some phone calls uh, to talk radio last week, too, about people kind of demanding to see the photos. And I won't be able to celebrate properly until I see the photos. I heard some guy phone in and say he wanted to dance on the photos. Another guy wanted to throw darts at it. And I thought, well, you know, it's a corpse photo, for mm -hmm. one thing, so... I'm not sure how satisfying that is. Really, the whole phenomena to me uh, should be seen as a sort of a a sort of a wrong-spirited uh, desire to punish, to continue to punish beyond death, because Osama bin Laden is dead. He can't be punished anymore right. for his crimes, numerous as they are. And this, of course, is not satisfying for some people, but it's the reality, and. If you've done any reading in Michel Foucault, who's written extensively on the human desire for discipline and punishment, uh, there's a really awkward moment where the desire for punishment brings a closer proximity between yourself and the transgressor. Mm -hmm. And it creates a linkage there that maybe is not that desirable if you stop and think about it. There's a degree of taint involved and, you know, you're lowering yourself to that level. And so why would you want to do that? And especially uh, ironic in the fact that many of these people who angrily uh, denounced the U.S. government for not revealing the photos is that they probably call themselves Christians. Right. And the other thing that's ironic about their demand for the photos is they're the same people that want the photos to be suppressed when it comes to Abu Ghraib. Um, the 601, half dozen of the The other. photos, even if they're produced, by the way, will only bring on accusations that they've been staged. Yep. Because it's well known, for instance, that when Saddam Hussein's sons were uh, killed uh, with airstrikes, they uh, had to clean up the bodies literally with morticians to beautify them and then produce the photos. Yeah, identify them. Uh, and though I remember seeing those uh, in the airport with my children as we were getting ready to go on a trip, trying to eat lunch, and those photos were constantly rubbed in our faces yeah. while we were eating lunch. I actually went over to the uh, desk at the, at the restaurant and said, could you turn that off? You know, it's putting me off my lunch. It's not giving me closure. <laughs> oh, I, I don't need that sort of closure, uh, you know. Um, and for people who do, <clears throat> let go. Yeah. Let go. I mean, not to take the Archbishop of Canterbury's point that uh, it's unchristian to uh, shoot down Osama bin Laden. I think Osama bin Laden probably richly deserved shooting down. And Christ himself might even agree. Uh, well, that's a bit of a stretch, but uh, 
this is not the kind of closure that's good for America. Uh, knowing that it's done and that you're listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor are really the only closure that you'll probably ever need. Yes, indeed. And uh, real quickly, the Canadian elections were very interesting uh, to me because uh, the Conservatives, uh, led by uh, Stephen Harper, um, have a majority government now. They were a uh, in a coalition as a minority-led uh, government. Uh, Michael Ignatieff, the leader of the Liberal Party, called the elections, and this proved to be a big miscalculation. But the fascinating results from the election were the Quebecois, 